This week, we talked to former college quarterback John Warder about his lifestyle of fitness and nutrition. Let's get into it. All righty. Joining us today is John Warder. Am I saying your name right? Yes. Josh, good. Really good. Awesome. So... I know you're buddies with Dewey, my co-host, who couldn't be here today. Um, dang, day job's getting in the way. Um, but he thought you would be a great guest for the podcast just because of your uh, enthusiastic pursuit of fitness. Um, and I don't want to say at an advanced age, but that's all relative and all a state of mind, we, we think. But um, tell us how old you are, John. Well, I'm 74 years old, and it was about five or six years ago that something happened that really, you know, challenged me to get even better than I thought I was. And so I began to do some things that I'd say most 74, actually when I was in my late 60s, um, people my age just didn't do, you know, kind of endurance runs or it's really about biking. I've, I've done a, probably 25 triathlons and so forth. Wow. But um I've been doing 100-mile bike rides in wow. one day each week of the summer is kind of my normal challenge. 100 and, miles, uh, so that's not 10 miles a day for 10 days. You're talking <laughs> at, in one shot, unbroken, 100 it's, miles. What, one shot, you know, I do take some rest, but, you know, it's, wow. it takes about uh, seven hours with some resting in between. You know, I'm probably going only 15 miles an hour average, so, you know, I'm a senior citizen, right? Yep, yep, you are. <laughs> but I'm... <laughs> I'm really uh, challenged about, uh, I have a mother who's 94 and really getting weak and has to use a walker and is falling down. And, you know, that's serious. And when you lose the strength of your legs, um, which is, you know, the strongest part of our, our bodies, that it, we're, we're, we, you know, we start out as babies, very needy, can't walk yet, very vulnerable. And then we end, end of life is similar to that right. and it's because of strength or lack of strength yeah one there's thing studies, yeah we there's always studies done oh i was gonna say we always say that uh strength is longevity or strength is health right and you've yes found that uh, to be true at your age as well that's right and um even in my business i'm a I'm a human resource consultant and i i i consult my clients around their strengths you know the strengths finder yes. assessment that's yep. out there by gallup so my whole, whole, all of my life is <laughs> built around this, <laughs> this uh, mantra of strength in personal health as well as corporate lifestyle, and right. how to use and leverage everybody's strength, uh, just like you would. You know, I played quarterback. It's just like you would a football team. You're, you're leveraging, trying to put the right people in the right position for the good of the team. And, right. Um, yeah. Let's let's go back to. Uh you know, you're, you're almost exactly my dad's age. I'm, I'm 49. My dad, I think is 73. Um, my grandma's 96. So we're you yeah. know, right, right Basically. in there. So I can really relate to what you're saying. Cause my, my father is not as, um, let's say agile as you, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's funny because what, you know, as a 49 year old, I, I'm comparing myself to other people my age. And as I, go to high school reunions and things like that, the difference becomes more and more apparent. So I'm sure at your age now, when you see other people your age, the amount of frailty you see has got to be kind of scary and something you Josh, want to fend that's off. that's really good. That's really good observation. Um, I went to my 50th high school reunion a few years ago, and so I did see already some of my classmates were using walkers and canes and had had heart attacks, you know, and very uh, frail already, and here we are, just you know, in our sixties. And um, yeah, so I, I've always been interested in health, but I think these last five, six years, it's I bumped it up, and I've been doing more, let's say, stressful things to challenge me to be to, to get stronger. If I if if that, if I can, you know, you start losing muscle as you age. So right. how do we preserve that? How do we? increase it if we can yeah so yeah we always talk about i I don't know if you've heard the stat but i think it's something like 10 to 12 percent of your muscle mass every decade if you don't do something about it will will be reduced 
Right. And um, there's studies out there where if elderly people would, would do some light weights and stuff, they would they would get stronger and not have the need for their canes and walkers. And I know there's some exceptions to that, but, but that's the idea. We're losing strength. And so we're weaker. It's easier to fall down. And there's studies done that when people fall down, you know, just really bad things start happening. Oh, yeah. Breaking their hips and things. And then they're in a walker and now they're atrophying more and trying to rehab and get, get back to normal. If you can't, I don't know. It's, it's a very sad state. So I'm, there's two things that are concerned me. One is a strength, but also pain. Mm. So as you get older, you get, you know, some arthritis or whatever and other kinds of pain. So th- those are of interest to me and in my own reading and, and challenging myself. And then I've just been using Facebook to post <laughs> to my boomer friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, about what I'm learning and growing in. So let me ask you that. I, like, how, how is the, how do other people your age respond um, you know, cause I mean, you're kind of a living example that this is possible. Do they typically have the attitude of, well, it's not possible for me or that, that's too hard or what's kind of been the reaction? I get a lot of kudos of people saying, oh, you're so inspiring, but to know what it's doing for them, <laughs> I'd say, I don't know if I'm influencing anybody to change, you know, any big percentage. It's, it's gotta be, you know, in the just a few percentage points of yeah. my boomer friends that um, I'm influencing to, to change. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, John's really amazing. He's, he's our inspiration. But they but then you have to do something. Right. <laughs> Am I really inspiring up. you to do something? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I think being an example is really, that's the best thing you can do regardless, because if you weren't and then you were trying to convince them what they should be doing, that's going to be even less effective. So... <laughs> I think the only shot you have is is by living it and being an example that they can they can see and try to emulate. Josh, they usually say, "Oh, I couldn't do what you're doing." I say, "Well, you're right because I've been working at it." Right. But what could what could you do? How about riding just the first ten miles or five miles or something or get walking, you know, exactly. on a consistent basis? Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're not going to be able to bench press a, you know, 500 pounds, but can you do one push up? You know, can you do 10 push ups and increasing and getting stronger and stronger? That's all the goal is. We're not judging you by the number you can do. It's that's, progress. That's, that's really good. Yeah. yeah. You do what you can and then build on that. Uh, this summer, I've been doing something to try to uh, emulate that is I, I've been writing on the first week. I wrote 100 miles plus one. So mm-hmm. 101. Okay. Then, so, so I'm up to, um, uh, yes, actually ye- yesterday or two days ago, I, I did, I did a little more. I did 112 wow. miles wow. and I posted about how 112 miles is what they use in the Ironman triathlon. Oh, wow. Um, with, uh, <laughs> with a 26.2 mile run wow. and a 2.4 mile swim. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> Someone said, you're our Iron Man. I said, well, I'm a third of an Iron Man. <laughs> right. I, can do, yeah. I can do 112. Yeah. Let, let's, let's go back um, to the beginning. So when you were a youngster, tell me about uh, how was nutrition viewed in your family or was it even considered? You know, like a, my father, who is basically your exact age, grew up on a farm and, you know, they just had oh. meat and potatoes and, you know, yeah. buns and corn and coleslaw and, and you know, just the standard mid, mid, Midwestern fare. Um, and nutrition wasn't even thought of, an afterthought even. It was just while well, you eat what's here and and you worked on the farm. And I mean, but everybody was thin back then. That's one thing that we, we, we highlight a lot is when you show pictures of the beach back in the, the 60s and and. 50s and 60s, everybody was lean compared yes. to now. And now if you see a picture of a beach, you know, if you find a, a lean person, they're like a unicorn. <laughs> so tell me about I how know, you were raised and what... So terrible. Yeah, it's really bad. But how were you raised I, and what was the, your views on nutrition growing up? Well, it was, you know, the standard American diet. We were pretty much a cereal in the morning. I would take two bologna sandwiches to school. <laughs> And uh, in Fritos and a and an apple, so there was something, you know. Yeah. But it was not it was not oriented to um, 
let's say a good a good healthy lifestyle. My wife, on the other hand, much like your father, grew up on a farm and uh, felt like she was um, organic most of her life. Yeah, she, before they she even knew what that was. Cow. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so when we got married, we were interested in being healthy, and we started reading a lot of that. Um, we we got our first jobs were out in L.A. from mm-hmm. Iowa State, and so we we. Um, we, we uh, ran into some health gurus out there yeah. and started learning how to eat. Uh, we, even, we even knew, this is 1970, we even visited or did grocery shopping at Trader Joe's. Oh, the actual, like, <laughs> the original spot? It, yeah, it's, it's one of the original spots. Uh, who would think that that could blow up, you know, like Whole Foods and some of the others? So when you were, but, um, were you lean? We had, were you lean back then? Obviously, in your, yes. your playing days. So, and- right, I was still coming off of um, you know being healthy from playing football, and I was, I was around 195 to 200 uh, pounds, and have pretty much stayed that way. Um, when we started having kids, you know, it was tough to have them eat. Well, I mean, we weren't even that interested in a real keto lifestyle yet. But um, well, you didn't even know what that was. No. I mean, no, that word. I only heard that word for the first time maybe a decade ago. So that's, that's in right. 1970, you know, yeah. there was no version of that even. So right. what were what were the the big, uh, you know, what were the health food diets of the day when you were first interested? Um, let's see. Um, I remember there was there was some <clears throat> milkshake drinks that you could take. Oh, like um, a, almost like a today's equivalent of a protein shake kind of thing. Right, right. And you just drank a few of those and maybe reduced your carbs. So that was really a caloric restriction just by only yeah. drinking the shakes. And um, yeah, you put me on the spot there. Well, I'm just wondering of, like, uh, you know, because vegan wasn't really a thing yet. I mean, right. there was vegetarians and then there was kind of the standard American diet. And, you know, I don't know what the version of eating healthy was. And I think just because of the lack of processed foods back then compared to what there is now and people just ate more, you know, whole foods, I think uh, they were just naturally a lot leaner. Right. And and well, one thing I was going to ask you, too, was because you were around and you were an adult actually when the food pyramid was developed. Right. So do you remember yeah. anything about having that being introduced or how that was pushed out to the masses, you know, with all the grains being your main, you're right. Yeah. Your main amount of calories they want you to consume a day. That's right. Um, that was so popular. And um, it's amazing how that thing has been uh, challenged greatly oh, yeah. by almost turning it upside down. Right. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah, except for the sugar and stuff. I mean, you could almost flip it. Right. There's um that, that to me is are the two big things I've learned probably in the last 20 years is if people would just eliminate as much as possible refined sugar and refined flour, mm. their health would just really perk up uh, in so many ways. But that's tough now. Everything's got some of that in it. It's just you really got to go with a whole uh, food, fruits, vegetables, you know, good meat and mm-hmm. we eat a lot we eat a lot of chicken yep. and um just really tried to be simple my wife doesn't prefer to cook very much so she really likes making very simple things you know steam the vegetables a little bit or eat them raw uh with some chicken you know there there's there's our dinner and we've really tried to stay away from um uh you know desserts sweets eating things at night has really been a challenge, you know, when you watch some TV or whatever. Um, (laughs) I love, you know, now, oh my gosh, football and fall football (laughs) is just, it's glorious, you know? Um, (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you about your, in your playing days, not to just kind of hop all around here, but uh, what was the standard kind of uh, training routine when you were an athlete in high school and and college? Was it all weightlifting resistance training mostly? We did no weightlifting. Whoa. Really? In high school or college. Even as a football player. Yet. What was the big icon was the University of Nebraska in our conference, the Big Eight Conference, had their own weight room. And we were all, you know, afraid of Nebraska because they were getting stronger than us. We did that isometric, isometric thing as a habit. And that's you where know, you're a, just kind of clenching your muscles and, and yeah. just tensing them up. Is that static, static stress, you know, and then the normal push-ups, sit-ups type, type thing. 
So no um, bench press, no squats, no deadlifts, <laughs> none of that, even as a college football player. No, that wow. was, so that was, that was mid to late sixties. Okay. So I know that began to change, you know, probably in the seventies. Um, but now it's like every Iowa state's got El Primo equipment and <laughs> the biggest weight room I've ever seen for college. Of course, I haven't seen that many. Well, we always looks, say, looks you know, very professional football is a, is a meritocracy, right? So if you're not, I mean, it's all played out on the field. And if you're not strong enough, you're going to get beat. So whatever works gets utilized. Oh, yeah. And obviously, and they figured that out. Now, it's not to say that we didn't work out hard. And we used to even do wrestle wrestling with each other. Mm. <laughs> Iowa State's known for the wrestling. Yes. And so we would, <laughs> let's have the football players wrestle each I other. I think pound for pound, the strongest athletes are wrestlers. I think you're right. Those now, guys when go I hard. went to Iowa State, I don't know if you know this name, maybe you do. That's Dan Gable was yes. wrestling yep. at the same time I was. Famous, and then, yeah. of course, he became, you know, a um, great wrestling coach. Can't believe he got away from Iowa State, but <laughs> right. that's, that's what can happen. Yeah, when I was in high school in the late 80s, I used to, one of my buddies was a wrestler and I, I attended a couple of their practices. Oh. And there was guys throwing up. I mean, they were going hard. <laughs> way harder than, you know, the other sports that I had witnessed. So I had, yes. those guys are pound yes. for pound the strongest for sure. But yeah, it's a, but they had definitely by that point had incorporated weightlifting. Right. I mean, even uh, I've got a daughter, uh, a granddaughter that's on uh, in Minnesota, the dance lines for young girls, uh, young women are, are really popular. They're state championships for high kick dance lines. They're lifting weights with, wow. with a regular weight coach in the, um, uh, in the weight room. Wow. And, uh, that's amazing. So, you know, yeah, getting stronger, um, is, is, is powerful. And so here we are encouraging being stronger in those early years. And then when you get out on your own, some of the habits we all pick up where we don't do as much activity and we start getting a little heavier, a little heavier, we got a belly now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you really get comfortable and you say, well, I don't know if I could ever <laughs> get rid of this belly. So, um, yeah. Sad to say, my brother yeah. is that way, and he's never been able to get rid of his, his. Um, though I don't think he drinks beer, but he has a beer belly. Right. Well, Sorry, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, oh, that's all right. But yeah, but, it's funny because um, my my father, like I said, is is your age. His brother and his sister, they're they're all three of them are either pre-diabetic or diabetic too. Wow. So wow. you know. And it, that's something in, in, in recent years we're realizing you can pretty much reverse or at least uh, eliminate the need for medications, you know, if it's type 2 diabetes that's brought on by lifestyle. Um, have you seen yeah. any evidence of that or I, what's I, your own experience? I've never been? had that, but you're right. I love that uh, I, go, I go to a chiropractor that put on the screen the word inflammation, and then on his PowerPoint slide, he was putting – all these diseases were popping up um, that all he's, I said, all, all these diseases are caused by inflammation. He said, yes, pretty much everything is. Right. And um, th- that's. Now that's he was in that, not to interrupt, but just to kind of tag that a little bit. So were some of the diseases you saw, the diabetes, heart disease, uh, was yeah. Alzheimer's on there? Because they're. Yeah, they're fiber, fiber. Yeah, fibromyalgia. Oh, yeah. Fibromyalgia. Rheumatoid arthritis. Um, just about, yeah, everything yeah. We, we name that we think is common that um, is is advertised with a drug or a pill or something on TV, it's all inflammation. And, and therefore, if we can reduce inflammation, we, we can see uh, somewhat reversal of some of these diseases is what these doctors are saying. So I know my... Um, Remember the Biggest Loser show that yes. was on TV? Yes. So I, I love that halfway through, they've lost maybe 50, 75 pounds now, and they get to have a doctor's appointment. The doctor says, hey, we, uh, you don't need your medicines anymore. You're, you, don't, you don't have diabetes. Yeah, that's crazy. And we used <laughs> and to think that that was chronic and irreversible. Yes. I have friends that their doctors have never told them that they um, could reverse it. Yeah, that's, that's sad. And, then, and well, like my uncle, not to use him as a bad example, but he uh, honestly said he would rather keep eating his nibs than and take the insulin than stop. And that's, you know, to me, it's very sad. I mean, and that is fine until you start having to have toes chopped off 
you know, and other ill effects mentally and all the other things that come along with diabetes. Why would you want to reverse that is my point, but yes. Yeah. It's sad. Was it in that keto um, podcast that you guys did? Um, Cause I was riding my bike then and I, I was amazed. Was it that where you talked about how that doctor was a Tim Noakes that was cutting people's feet off? Oh, I think so. There, yeah, it was South South African doctor, and you said you've listened to a lot of his stuff. Well, actually, what what was happening was over the course of, I think a couple decades of practice, he went from chopping like a couple feet off a year due to due to diabetes to like almost one a week or one every couple of days. And he, he just said, this is insane. We have to figure out a way to try to stop this. And that's what led him down the rabbit hole and eventually to, you know, carb restriction, I think in, you know, the early versions of keto or, or low carb, high fat kind of eating. Um, and, uh, you know, you're probably more familiar with this story, but yeah, I just thought that was a crazy anecdote. You know, here's somebody who's witnessing this and having to perform this horrible surgery and wanting to do something about it. And then for his efforts, you know, he gets persecuted. Right. Well, he was getting, he had diabetes himself and was able to reverse it just because of eating right. And then all of his running buddies, because they were marathoners, um, started having similar uh, di- diabetic ex- experiences. And, and he began to help them. And And I know some of the videos I've watched of him uh, was him helping other athletic teams right? like soccer and cricket and (laughs) (laughs) yeah. All those amazing international sports. (laughs) Yeah. Just, and then he had the whole um, court case that yes, I think it was over five days or something. And I would love to have been there. That would have been so cool. And, And just for somebody to stand up like that and reverse, reverse the whole culture's view of nutrition and health is amazing but we are still we're so far down the hole here well i think people think that it's like i said it's always chronic and irreversible and they don't realize that that's not true that if you reduce your weight basically because i mean the single biggest metric is the you know the uh, waistline to height ratio right if you can get that down you know if you have to measure one thing that's like the single biggest metric and that all comes down to uh, what you're putting in your mouth, basically. That's really good. And um, and things like uh, we've been learning things about, you know, intermittent fasting. Yeah, I was going to ask you that when you – okay, so you can – so let's kind of walk back the timeline here. So you're uh, – in your adult life, you're eating healthier, you know, trying to ma- maintain a lean physique. Uh, when did you first hear the term keto or low-carb or – was it for me? It was Atkins. That's when I first heard of anything of carb doing having to do with carb restriction. Yes. So Atkins, I remember people having very good experiences with it, you know, and they could eat all the meat they wanted to. Yeah, and then it got completely demonized, you know, seen as yeah, kind of a yeah. extreme. Well, way. Of so eating. it was about six years ago that a friend of mine came over and he put a packet of like a nutrition, like a protein a whey protein packet on my counter. And he said, the Navy SEALs are using this, John. I thought you might be interested. I said, I'm, I'm, I want it. I what, no, what is it? <laughs> he said, well, this is a ketone supplement. And I said, well, what's going on with the, it's, is it, does it give you energy? He says, yes, it gives you energy. But the Navy SEALs were having brain seizures in their underwater missions with the, the breathing tanks that are closed circuit. Oh, right. And so they don't want bubbles, right? So they can be stealth. Mm. But they were over-oxygenating the brain cells. And so this scientist, um, in fact, Joe Rogan and T- Tim Ferriss and all those guys, I listen to all those guys yep. on a bike ride. They, they've interviewed this guy. His name's Dr. Diagostino. And he was doing research on ketone supplementation. And so he made the first supplement drink if you were put it in powdered form mm. just like you can have creatine and powdered you can have vitamin c in powder you can have ketones in powder so he made the first supplement for them to overcome brain seizures wow and he's got a ted talk on it and everything so you, yeah and, and just for those that don't know like ketones are something that your brain uh, and this is my elementary understanding of it but 
something that your brain likes to run on uh, when you're not necessarily putting a bunch of glucose in your body and running off glucose. If you're kind of like what they call fat adapted and you're in ketosis, then then your body is producing these ketones and they work well for brain brain function. Right. Um, that's it's, my understanding. So, and that's kind of what the being in nutritional ketosis is kind of what the keto diet is referencing. Um, if you're in that state where your body's burning those, generating those ketones and burning, burning fat instead of glucose. Um, so how did you, did you kind of adapt, adopt the keto diet as a, as your main way of eating then or? Well, slowly. Um, but no, I, what this allowed you to do is to be in ketosis in, in 30 to 60 minutes by drinking it. Mm. And so, um, I don't know if you don't want to name the company. No, go ahead. That's inappropriate. Go ahead. Um, so the company's called prove it P R U V I T. Okay. And so they got, they got rights to the formula that the Navy SEALs had, and they began to promote that as a, as a consumer product back in 2015. Gotcha. So that was really the game changer for me. I started drinking this stuff. And the first thing I did was I did 30 spinning classes, you know, with a stationary bike, went to a class at my health club, 530 in the morning, I did 30 sessions in a row, you know, one a day for 30 days. <laughs> right. And that's where I got this thing about challenging myself right. to, because I, I, I was having trouble with my feet, but I, you know, biking didn't hurt my joints or my feet very. So anyway, so that's what I began to do is uh, saw a difference of the energy level I had. And, um, but then we slowly began to adopt a low carb um, type lifestyle and learning about it. And um, this has really been revolutionary for us. And, and so who I are you following? Is, I, I know you said Tim Noakes and, um, was that kind of your main introduction to the low carb? I, I'd say it was. That's when I started listening to Tim Noakes. Okay. And and other guys, um, um, like that. Um, it, had you did you ever hear of Gary Taubes? Did you get into him at all? Yes. Uh huh. That I, was I got, my first introduction after I heard Atkins. Then I got Good Calories, Bad Calories, which came out in I think 2009, and I found it in 2011, and that was my gateway into the whole carb restriction kind of way of thinking the two inventors of this so the the prove it product has has gone through let's say five generations of upgrading them so that they they like to say that they're they're the first to the market the consumer market of a ketone supplement mm -hmm. there's a lot of copycats out there now right you can see it on amazon and then they try to uh keep making this product better and better by either adding little uh, nutritional things or upgrading the quality of the ketones. Uh, for instance, now they're manufactured using um, a fermentation process. Mm. I don't know much about that, but no, much like, either. you know, cam you know, kombucha and oh, apple cider yeah. vinegar and, mm -hmm. you know, has this fermentation process that apparently this allows for a lot of the impurities to be, eliminated and so we can say that you know 100% of the ketones in this product are absorbable by by the cells right so that's that's really how i've gotten into more of a keto i i i think i say i, I like the, the term i'm a keto carnivore <laughs> right that's that's kind of my i'm Is i call it? myself animal based and i'm holding yeah. holding up the air quotes because you know it's not like i eat i'm not 100% strict carnivore um you know, I, I say the same thing. I'm kind of animal based and, you know, throw in some vegetables. I just typically don't like enjoy vegetables that much. But, you know, to me, like having a ribeye with a salad, it's pretty hard to go wrong. Right. Right. And there's a way to what um, I, there's even the term modified keto diet. I'm right. on. <laughs> I think even the guy that is the um, Dr. Diagostino would say he's he's under, you know, let's say 50 carbs, more moderate per day keto. and so you know just trying to learn about it more and i'm i'm amazed at what people's transformation happens when they do this i've oh, had yeah. i've had friends you know lose 100 pounds now my neighbor behind me has lost 100 using a keto approach if you're coming off of a standard american diet and you're fairly overweight and you go straight to a keto type approach i mean the pounds just melt off don't they 
Yeah, yeah. I've never had that experience because you know I've never been that heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I got about twenty pounds more than I was now about ten years ago, but um, so I'm still able to maintain my college playing weight. Wow. And that's really satisfying to me to, to you know, and encouraging to me that I'm able to, because it's it's a challenge. You know, I can let myself go on a weekend and oh, put yeah. on a few pounds like any of us, you know. But you know how to get back on track. And you just have to, yeah, get get back on the bike and start pedaling again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you brought up fasting. So let's talk about that. That's a tool that I use quite a bit. And I've done uh, both versions, you know, kind of longer. I try to do like a 48-hour fast maybe once a month. And then I do... OMAD, you know, one meal a day is my typical uh, way of eating anyway. So I'm always in some version of intermittent fasting. That's very um, impressive. Yes. Oh, it's, it's actually, I thought it was going to be way harder than it was because I remember when I was on the standard American diet and I would eat, you know, cereal or yogurt or something for breakfast, I would be starving, gnaw my hands off by 11, you know, before lunch. And then I would eat lunch and then I would be starving before supper. So the thought of going 48 hours was insane. But having done it, I mean, you cross that threshold where you're just not that hungry anymore. And then you kind of, you know, you once you get into that ketosis type state, then your energy level goes up, you start feeling really good. And, you know, I, I joke that it's, you know, you achieve a higher level of spiritual creaminess. <laughs> you know, and, and so I, I think that uh, it's not actually that hard once if people would just try it. Um, So do you do currently or have you, you know, in the past, do you adopt either intermittent fasting or one meal a day or time restricted feeding into your approach? Right. We've tried several ways. And even this company called prove it has come out with a 60 hour fasting concept where we start Sunday night and it ends Wednesday morning. And they give us a, a box of ketone packets and some other little nutritional things um, is there electrolytes? You know, so electrolytes, yep. you know, and and in a sense, we just drink this ketone supplement uh, through the two and a half days as a way to because it, it does curb your cravings. That and water, right? Yes, and water and the electrolytes, and so um, they, they um, they, there's a whole following in in this group of prove it ites, if you will, right. uh, who are members um, that really value this. It's really helped them, you know, change them to a, uh, a better way of life for them. How about when you're not well, doing I, like the 60 hour? Do you just your normal everyday way of eating? Do you typically eat how many meals a day? And what's your what's your kind of timing on that? No, you don't eat anything. No, I mean, after your when you're not doing that 60 hour. Oh, oh. like just a regular. So, Outside of that. Regular, regular diet. So I usually drink this ketone supplement first thing in the morning. So that just kind of brightens my brain. And, you know, some people say, well, it's eliminating my brain fog and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there's these other benefits of drinking this ketone supplement. But I'd say then we eat typically lunch um, around around noon or one um, based on when I get back home. I, I, I normally make another uh, a protein shake, I, I, another, I, I make a protein shake rather than having a sandwich or something mm-hmm. and put in another ketone packet. And that sets me up really well for, for the afternoon. And then for supper, we're kind of the lean and green kind of lifestyle. Sure. Okay. So really that, and that is kind of uh, intermittent fasting because then you're not eating from supper time until lunch the next day. So it's kind of like an 18 hour window other than the supplement and water. That's right. That's been easy for us to manage, at least yeah. for myself, to manage that way. No. And I think if people would try that, they skipping just one of the three meals a day is not that difficult. Right. Especially and if you're eating some, foods that are satiating. There's some science around. I, I was listening to, um, you know who uh, Peter Atia is? Yeah, yep. So I like listening to some of the people he interviews. And I don't know whether it was him. It might have been Joe Rogan interviewed a guy talking about anti-aging. Mm. And one of the, you know, there's like five things to promote uh, a younger you. <laughs> and, and one of them is better sleep, you know, that, that whole theme. And the other one was restricted um, calories. Caloric or, restriction. Or going yeah. to that one meal lifestyle. Yeah. That when they do that with, um, you know, rats, <laughs> the rats are much more vibrant, <laughs> much more active right. than the... <laughs> And the fat rats. <laughs> and it just makes sense. But um, so that's, 
that's the interesting thing to me is how can I keep, uh, let's say, a level of higher performance of doing these bike rides or any kind of exercise at my age, and yet um, uh, I know a lot of elderly people. My mom does not, you know, eat an, enough calories. I don't think right. to, ma- to maintain her health. So that little um, disparity is is intriguing to me about. Um, that the science is there that says when we restrict calories, we actually are healthier. The -hmm. body is able to perform at a better, at a higher, more higher performance than when we just load up, you know. And I think some of that is because, well, number one, if you have excess body fat, then your body has a store of energy to utilize. So that's, once you get down to a level of leanness, then fasting, I think, is less effective. Um, you know, so if your mother maybe doesn't have the uh, the body fat of somebody who's more obese, that's tougher too. Plus, then also the quality of food that they're eating. I remember my grandma used to drink coffee and eat graham crackers, you know, and that would be, well, that's lunch. And, I'm, and now oh. I'm, I realize how horrific that was. You know, yes. if she would have eaten some chicken or some tuna or some ribeye or something, that would have been so much more beneficial she wouldn't have to necessarily eat a ton of it, but graham crackers are not doing anything for you positively, except for enhancing that inflammation that is at the root of all these diseases that your chiropractor pointed out. Wow. That's, um, yeah, what a sad state of affairs we've gotten ourselves in. Yep. And, um, yeah. So tell me about your, uh, um, we've talked about nutrition quite a bit. So you, other than the, insane hundred mile bike rides well now 112 um do, do you do resistance training do you uh do any sort of you know with the goal of like building lean muscle right that's the other side of me is to uh do two or three uh days a week of of lifting um <clears throat> you know all the big muscle groups i'm just so again it's the emphasis on strength um, Tell me about a typical routine. Like, uh, let's take a day. Uh, how long is your workouts, and what types of uh, actual you know exercises are you doing? Right. So I usually warm up on all the machine type things where you've got the pulleys and levers um, to do bench, you know, curls, um, squats, ca- kind of warming up my whole body. And then I'll get into, um, you know, using the barbells to do some squats uh, or um, uh, the other kinds of dumbbells uh, for biceps, triceps kind of thing. So it's really trying to do an overall workout within an hour, uh, about three three times a week. Now, when you're doing these sets, let's say you're doing bicep curls, are you going to failure are you like really pushing pushing it or are you just kind of uh do them so you can do nice controlled form and not but not pushing too hard like is that worry you at all as far as injury or how, yeah, how hard that's are you why doing? i really try to warm up well with uh, <clears throat> the non-weights right <laughs> the, <clears throat> the non-free weights um so i don't typically go to failure each time but um probably once a week, I'll try to use one of those exercises and push my biceps to a, a new level of uh, weights, especially on the uh, the kind that has the pulleys in the back. Yep. Um, I, I don't feel I'm, you know, yeah, I don't want to get hurt either and push it too much. But I am trying to, that, that again is the challenge uh, of my life at this age is to challenge myself to go a little bit farther to see if I can get stronger. So that's the, that's the goal is to get keep getting stronger and um uh and just for our audience that you know that doesn't maybe know but the only way to build lean muscle mass is if you push your muscles to the point where they break down and you know they have to adapt to that stimulus so like if you keep you know lifting the same 20 pound dumbbells for years you won't build muscle you know you have to keep going a little harder than you did before Right. Yeah. The stress on the muscle is, is what really tears it down, but then it, it, it grows back stronger. That's, mm-hmm. that's right. That's a great principle of life to do a little bit more. And um, so that's why I was doing my one more mile right. <laughs> each week. That's awesome. And it's not much, but it, it adds up. And now here I am at 112. 
I've actually done a 200 mile bike ride in one day as the best thing that I've ever done. And I did it totally drinking this ketone supplement. I did not have any uh, carbs or other sugar or fruit. It's an amazing thing that I experienced. And uh, I was, yeah, I was tired, but of course I I, I didn't allow my, my, uh, (laughs) my butt to get in shape for that. So I was totally chafed. (laughs) Had to take days to heal that up down there. And, uh, but I, I was able to do it and it took me about, um, total time about, uh, 16 hours. So I've never done something like that. You can imagine just being outside for 16 hours, you'd be a little tired, but, um, yeah. but that, um, and I haven't done something like that since I've done 150 miles. Wow. So anyway, that's been my little thing to try to challenge myself. And, uh, cause I know it's not hurting my joints much and, and just to be out here, you know, in the winter here in Minnesota, we don't have, Yeah. <laughs> well, in summer, you know, you just try to take advantage of the, those nice days. Yeah, it's a, well, and my little story about progressive overload is when uh, chin-ups were always my the bane of my existence. I can never do chin-ups. And when I started uh, doing this podcast with Dewey and started training, I could do six. Now I can do 23 as of this morning. I've, I've been nice. adding one chin-up about every two weeks. Nice. And that's, very good. That's there you go. to like complete failure. The last one, I can barely eke it out. But I've been adding one every... You know, so to go from six to twenty three, and I started this was just in January, so it's been about wow. seven months. You know, of adding yeah. one every couple of weeks. I mean, you can make amazing progress <clears throat> if you just set those goals. And it, like you said, it, you're adding a mile a, a week, and it it adds up. It's cumulative. That's a really good example of how you're seeing improvement and growth and strength. Yeah, that's. And they say that. Um, you know, I, I, one of the studies, um, the last five weeks, I've been talking about the five supplements that John takes to keep himself stronger. Mm-hmm. And one of them is creatine. Oh, and, yep, and they've done studies with elderly people with creatine without lifting weights. They've just taken the supplement of creatine. I don't know what portion or how much, but um, with elderly people, and they've all been able to measure a degree of increase in strength wow. on all of them. Wow. And then when they lifted some weights, obviously lighter weights, they got even stronger. And so it just shows how that one supplement, um, I remember when my son was in high school, he said, dad, there's this, this new supplement out called creatine. You know anything about it? I said, don't have a clue. This is mid nineties. Yep. And the co- all his coaches were scared to recommend anything. And, um, but wow, I heard last year that $3 billion of creatine was sold. Yeah. Dewey, Dewey swears by it. Is Somebody's it? taking that. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Well, Dewey's, you know, he really is an advocate, basically saying there's, it's been used for so many decades that there's, it's been very, very proven safe and, and effective. Yes. So, it's right. Pretty, and no uh, penalties for using it kind of thing. Yeah. It's not, a, I mean, you, you think, oh, it's a banned substance or it's a steroid or something. Um, well, while we're on that subject, um, you know, we've talked about uh, testosterone, low T, that types of, those types of things. Have you, ever had any dealings with that or had to get any type of uh, replacement or, you know, because I know testosterone levels can drop as you age as well. Any comment on that? Um, You know, I've read some stuff now just that a lot of people that have gone with a more vegan lifestyle have been able to increase testosterone and that those of us that tend to load up on meat, you know, are, are, uh, are not uh, doing as well. And that's just some of the reading I've done recently. And um, so that's fascinating to me. I I haven't had a, any problem there. Uh, have you had um, that? Feeling like I've been low, having low T. Have you done any uh, blood work where they measure your range or where you fall on the range? No, I okay. haven't done that. But I guess I if there's no need, if you don't have any, any symptoms, uh, then there's no, uh, no, that's good. I'd say that would take that as a sign of, of you right in the ballpark there, which yeah. is its own, you know, example of, of good, healthy lifestyle right there, because most aging males um, have seen a reduction. It's funny there, there's a clinic just up and up in town. I'm seeing all kinds of commercials for it uh, that treats all the symptoms that go along with that. So I, I'm guessing it's becoming a bigger problem in recent years due to our advanced obesity and, and the aging population. No, I get it. I get it. I think, um, 
yeah, that's that is a fascinating topic to to see all the um, all the band aids that are out there to try to and all the products that are saying to increase your testosterone level naturally. Yeah, I mean, most of those are, you know, pretty much snake oil, the, you know, the GNC type stuff, you know, or like anything that a, you know, like a major leaguer probably is promoting, you know, I'm sure he's just oh, yeah. getting, a, getting a paycheck, <laughs> right. you know, like what's his name? The big hurt, Frank, whatever. Frank Howard, I think it is. So yeah, he, he advertises one of those products, but yeah. Um, best thing, I mean, in my opinion, best thing you can do is get your waist circumference down. And yeah. most of those things Boy, take care good. of themselves. What do you think the the <laughs> circumference is now? Is it like thirty eight or forty inches well, for the guys? What I heard was it's a because everybody obviously of different heights, so really right. it's a a ratio of waist to height. So if you're sixty inches tall, which should be five foot tall, then your waist should be thirty or less. So if you're six foot tall, which would be seventy two inches then your waist should be 36, 36. or okay. less. Yeah. Um, because that way it allows for some variability due to height. So I, I forget if it was Ken Berry or Ted Naiman or somebody that kind of proposed that as the kind of the standard. Um, so if you're under that, I mean, many, many of your risk factors for many of these diseases are pretty are reduced greatly. Know, if you're over that, you're in trouble. And the problem is, you know, you can't see me right now because just the way the technology is, but you know, I, I'm a pretty lean guy, but my, I was right on that line or in a little over when we started the podcast, um, you know, six months ago and you wouldn't look at me and go, that guy's a, a fat, a fatty, fatty, you know, you, but I was over that line of considered oh, unhealthy. Of that ratio. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. you know, it's uh it's much leaner than you probably think it is. And there again, you know, talking about how, the population has crept up to be more and more obese over the last few decades. The fact that somebody is still in that obese category or unhealthy category, and they don't even look it to you because everyone else is so much more obese, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's kind of sa a sad state. It, it's really a, a telltale sign of that problem of just that weight issue with, with COVID the, oh yeah, the, the comorbidities that yes. people have because of let's say being having increased weight in their life. Now they might have had they have diabetes or something else. Um, Isn't it interesting how they never ever mention the percentage of people that have had bad outcomes and their existence of comorbidities? If they had you know for the last eighteen months had pushed people to drop some BMI or yeah. you know drop some yeah. body fat we could have all been in a much healthier state and much more naturally resistant to bad outcomes. It's, it's such a um, quick fix kind of thing, a lifestyle that we, a culture that we live in. Just give me a pill or a shot or something uh, rather than taking care of the total health package, a total healthy view of prevention. Yeah. Prevention is not, you know, and I've heard that most doctors don't take a nutrition course in their medical training, but <laughs> chiropractors do. That chiropractors, I heard, have more medical training than MDs do. As far as nutrition, yeah. Well, and I always and, say, I, the only time I want to see a doctor is if I, uh, you know, get hit by a car or if I break my arm or something. Other than that, I don't want to be in there of my own no. doing as far as, you know, things that are preventable, like things that are based on your weight and, you know, the, your nutrition and fitness you have control over those things. So you should be avoiding the doctor like the plague, unless, you know, you break your arm or you need some surgery done. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I, I need to move forward on something else. Yeah, this is great. Um, so how can people, you said, where, where you mostly hang out? Is it on Facebook? Is that, uh, you know, if people yes. were interested so just, in your uh, John, advice and your coaching, John Warder, uh, W A R D E R, um, uh, on Facebook. And, um, that's where I'm doing most of my uh, posting about, you know, being healthier. And I'm really directing it at, at my baby boomers. Yes. Which would be about mid-50s to, you know, now. Yep. Um, and um, so that's been fun to try to be an encouragement. I've, I've, I've had people feel um, inspired and encouraged to do something. But when I think of how many people am I, I, I don't know. 
I, I don't know how to study that or uh, rate that. Um, I'm just hoping that maybe if I can find a few that would change their lifestyle because it is healthier and there's longevity issues involved and 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 the whole issue of feeling having a sense of well-being. Um, right, not just a lot living of people. A lot of people years. in their elder years are are just so are hurting so badly. Yes, uh, let alone having a painful disease of some kind. Um, mentally as well. Mentally, wow, the Depression. whole issue of the psychology of nutrition. Yes, yeah, powerful. Yeah, I've, I mean, just you know, the amount of anecdotal stories from people uh, when they're in, you know adapt a keto type lifestyle, the amount of anxiety that goes away, depression that gets, that lifts, uh, is pretty inspiring. It's amazing how food is, it's what we put in our mouth. Like you said, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it all goes down to that, um, how powerful that can be. And then, you know, so you can just say there is, there's maybe an addiction to the wrong foods, just like there's an addiction to any of these well, they, you know, they, or anything. Yeah. well they, they're literally in laboratories designing these foods to be super, as Gary Taubes calls them, hyper palatable. So they're by definition as addictive as they can possibly make them, you wow. know. And of course, you know, if, you know, if you were to hand a caveman an Oreo, he'd be addicted to them probably within a few days, you know, they, but they just never had those as an option before. You had to go out and kill a woolly mammoth or a saber tooth and eat that. Um, but you know, they didn't have the, even as an option. So I think, uh, it's, you do have to resist. And, you know, I'll always say that, you know, I always have sympathy for people that are, that are addicted to that. I mean, I'm definitely one of those types of people. I mean, it's a daily fight for me. That's right. It's always a fight. And to know that we have, that's what was intriguing about the keto diet was because we can eat healthy fats. That has probably been a revelation. That makes eating a good experience too. Um, yeah, because fat is so um, yeah. satiating and makes things taste better. And we we typically don't have enough good fats in our diet, so that's creating a deficiency factor. Yep, exactly. All right, John. Well, I'll let you get going. Well, thank um, you for allowing me to share in this. No, this was great. We love hearing people's stories, and uh, you are an inspiration. I'm going to call my dad and tell him if he doesn't bike 100 miles this weekend he's lazy <laughs> well don't put that on him help him start slowly small small steps that's right <laughs> but all take right. a step that's exactly just keep moving forward all right guys well uh, make sure you send an email to info at fit and furious if you have questions or you topic ideas or if you want to be on the podcast and tell us your story we'd love to have you make sure you watch on youtube to check out john's beautiful face and uh, watch valuable visuals every week We're also anywhere audio podcasts are found. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share. And go to FuriousMerch.com for t-shirts and to support the show. We will see you next time. Thank you. Bye, Josh.